Welcome back to episode three of the Local Scene Machine podcast brought to you by Premier Studios. I'm your host, Tristan Seegers. Today, I interviewed two of the guys from Exhilarate. It's a bit of a longer episode today. Um, I talked to these guys about life, music, and all their ambitions for the future. It's, it's a really great time. You can find them on Instagram at Exhilarate Official. Exhilarate is with an X. And you can find all their music on Spotify under Exhilarate as well. Let's just jump into that interview now. I have a funny story about Music Loft. Um, I was like auditioning for a band several months ago now. Right. Mm-hmm. And the parking lot there is like obscenely small. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. you have to park kind of a ways. And I, I I was kind of running late. So I was trying to find a place to park. Yeah. There's a fucking pawn shop next mm-hmm. to Music Loft. I didn't realize it was like a, like a business parking spot. Mm-hmm. So I parked my car in there, practice with the band for like three hours or whatever, and come back out. My car's locked behind a gate. Mm-hmm. Oh, and my, no. my phone had like 4% battery uh, my girlfriend and I had just moved here so like I didn't really know where the hell I was I was just like in Scottsdale somewhere and uh, I called her and I was like hey I'm at this pawn shop on this street like I, my phone's gonna die I don't have a car like please come get me phone dies I'm just like all alone mm-hmm. um, I had my whole like backpack laptop my guitar my amp everything right. just like sitting on the side of the road and my backpack was actually in the car so when she came there, we had to like lift the gate up and crawl under and like get my laptop and everything from my car. And then the next morning, like when we came, she tried to drop me off at my car and they were like towing it as we pulled up. Jeez. So like I almost got my car you towed. You actually got almost towed there? Yeah. Because they, I know like, they threaten about it there, you know, like all the time. Like, you know, when we parked there, like even when we first started going to Music Loft was that they would always say, you know, if you're, as long as you're not there for like over an hour and stuff, they usually kind of just drive past it and don't say anything. But yeah. that they had people that were there for like four hours or so for a session. And then the tow truck ends up like getting onto them and either they catch them midway or then by the time they come back to the lot, it's already gone. Well, so I was stuck behind the gate. So like I couldn't yeah. get my car out. I came back at like 7 a.m. the next morning <laughs> and the tow truck was like there. And I just, yeah. So a couple more minutes and would have been gone? Exactly. Yeah, I would have been like so fucked. Right, 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 right place, right time. Uh, well, anyways, we've been rolling for a minute. Um, you guys want to introduce yourselves and kind of talk about what you do in the band? Yeah. Yeah. So my name's Kevin Herrera, and uh, I do guitar and drums. I do guitar and drums. I'm uh, Nicholas Mondragon, and I'm the frontman and founder of the band of Exhilarate. Of Exhilarate, yes. <laughs> nice. Exhilarate. With an X. Yeah. Well, right. thanks for coming back in, guys. Um, I know that we had worked together. I guess technically. Uh, like six months ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Y'all were in to record some drums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was fun because you were recording drums for Set It in Stone, which is the the last thing you guys released. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it's the latest thing we put out. Because yeah. I've seen uh, you did like a pretty pretty cool music video with that and everything. You mm-hmm. kind of want to talk oh, about yeah. how that went. Really cool music video. Good job on like for Jose. Like I'm like big shout out to him. Uh, his visuals were amazing. His editing. Um, I didn't catch his partner's name, but oh, Guillermo, uh, Guillermo, Guillermo, yeah, that's the. They did a phenomenal job. I want right. to say like probably like one of like the most professional visuals that I've seen. Yeah, so we videos. we were in a uh, Casa Grande's where we shot that video. Gotcha. Um, yeah, because like the previous two visuals that we did was with a guy uh, named Stax, um, and we 
wanted to do something different this time because uh, Jose, aka Ninety One Chains, um, he he um, he actually worked with my friend uh, Chazil, who does uh, hip hop and rap music, and then he did a visual for him. And then when after that came out, I saw how great it was and how he said he was very professional to work with, and how like how everything that he described to the T and paying attention to detail was just absolutely like a hundred percent on, on point. So I said, I'd love to work with him. When I reached out to him, that's exactly what happened. Like he was just very uh, communicative. It was like very effective how we were like, you know, describing ideas and seeing how we wanted to go about this concept. So um, he found this location out there in Casa that we went to and we spent like the whole day just getting all the shots and everything. Um, and, you know, like like you said, Guillermo was whose assistant helped helped him out, and then mm-hmm. we had the visual done like probably within a few weeks after he edited it all, and uh, definitely excited to work with him again for sure for the next visual we do, and even for the concert content when we perform is I'm really you know excited to see what he does with that as well. Because you guys also did um, a music video here, right mm-hmm. in our in our live room. Yeah, so we did the cameraman video, which is off of our um, debut album, October Skies. Um, we had that video filmed in different areas, actually, not just here. We had it filmed over by the Scottsdale Fairmont Princess in no- northern part of Scottsdale, yeah. and then we also did it in Papago Park. But um, the significant thing mm-hmm. about that video too is that was Kevin's like you know debut appearance, if you will, because we had already like linked up, you know, when I you know reached out to him to see if he wanted to jam, and then eventually joined the band. Um, so he was uh, doing guitar at the time because we had a uh, Percy originally on the drums for that video, but um, you know, fast forward now, not to get off topic of that, but now he's doing drums predominantly when it comes to performance or appearances, and then he also can do guitar work as well. So much fun playing the drums. Yeah. So much fun. I was like, you probably like drums better than guitar then, I'm guessing. Um, I'm actually been playing the guitar way more than I did for, for the drums. I, that's where I began. You know, it's I'm like going on 10 years, I believe, almost 11 years on the guitar. Damn. And drumming, uh, funny thing with the drums, I was never even supposed to drum in the first place. Uh, <laughs> my father actually bought my first drum set off of his coworker for $100. Look, if it was me, I would have sold it to somebody for like $300. I'll just flip it, yeah. Or just flip it. It was really nice. Um, you know, the symbols, you know, needed some work. You know, nothing like going to Guitar Center, getting some symbol cleaner, some elbow grease. And then there you go, fixing it up. And, you know, it's just passion, really. Uh, you know, every day, probably two hours, maybe three hours a day. Uh, and I, it's just fun. It's fun smashing stuff. <laughs> so that's why, like, that's why I did it here. And it's just like, yeah, I want to continue doing that. Oh yeah, and I like playing drums too, but like I'm terrible. But I get what you're saying. Like it is fun. <laughs> it's just really like beat, fun, loud, yeah. beat the hell out of some stuff. You like, gotta switch it up once in a while, you know, with like guitar or bass or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but that's what I like about Kevin is he's very flexible, and as a musician, and also for being as young and ambitious as he is, that's kind of like what you know appealed to me and why I reached out to him was I was saying yeah. you know these days a lot of times where you meet people like whether my age or older or whatnot, it's kind of like they've been there and done that. And you don't really see that ambition anymore. You don't see that perseverance in them. Um, you know, me personally, I feel like I've always stayed consistent with going through with what I said I was going to do. I think this band's like a perfect example of it with all the ups and downs and obstacles and what a roller coaster of it, you know, a concept it is. So um, having him here and then being able to write with him and, you know, working with, along with Dejan as well, too, when we are in the room together, I think it's such a very relaxed environment. It's not, there's no, 
uh, tension ever. There's really never been no arguments. There was previously not with him, but I mean, like when the band first started and, you know, we'll get to that, we'll get to that too. But, um, yeah, I'm just really like thankful that, you know, to have someone like him and to be able to write music with him and that we got so much other new content that we've been working on that, you know, Mm -hmm. that we both agreed is going to be substantially better because it's kind of like a more consistent work ethic. In the past, it's been a lot of, you know, jumping from one thing to another, which I'm not a fan of necessarily, but it's just kind of like a matter of time and place, what everyone's feeling. Everyone's kind of got more different songs or different like ideas that they kind of are more motivated to work on, which that's human nature. It's inevitable that that's kind of like the concept of being in a band and working with different people. But it's what I enjoy most about it, too, is to get different perspectives and different ideas and then how it kind of forms into one. It's pretty interesting, you know. Yeah, and that's like meshing together like each person's individual idea for a part and like making mm-hmm. it kind of something your own. I, that can be tough sometimes, you know. Cuz we're pretty we're pretty different with like genres and stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say that I think that that's kind of like one thing I've noticed too with even bands like um that I've met locally and stuff is that you'll see that like they really don't have like a lot of, you know, things in common besides music, but yeah. they just end up working so well together because they the just kind of like they, they, they have good chemistry and they kind of like know what they're good at and what they can focus on and whoever else is better at different other things that they, you know, do their part on that as well. Like so, make individual strength shine and kind of. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of, we displayed that before. Um, well, so like, you know, when we performed last year at pub rock, you know, at the time Kevin wasn't in the band, but when you would see us collectively on stage, myself, Dejan and the other guys we had at the time, it was just like, what was like five of us on stage or six of us it was like five or six different people like none of us looked like we would ever be in the same room together (laughs) and it was so diverse and it was so different because we were like you know like the environment of pub rock too it's like more of like a bar you know yeah definitely more like a a bar drinking kind of vibe right and definitely like country music you know or like uh you know southern rock type of crowd so like seeing all of us the other guys like dejan and them are like more in tune with r&b and like hip hop, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's not an issue. I think I, I think it's dope that we, you know, can play all different types of genres, but you know, it, it kind of reminded me, have you ever seen the movie, the Doobie brothers or the blues brothers, excuse me. The blues uh, brothers? No, I haven't, but I, I oh, okay. get what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So like, Kevin, have you seen it? I have not. <laughs> okay. No. Well, for those who listen to this or anything that have seen it knows exactly what I'm going with this, that they end up at this like, um, super country bar and you know, their type of music is nothing like that. So, when they start playing like their, you know, Blues Brothers music or whatnot, the whole crowd's completely dead. No one's enjoying it, clearly. Mm. And then once they switch it to playing like country tunes, like Everyone Hank Williams, like, everyone's like yeah. losing their shit and they're going crazy and they're digging it. So it's kind of like, I almost felt like we were going to have to improvise to that extent. But knowing how we were working at the time collectively and seeing how different that was and how... Clearly, we weren't on the same page because when you look back on the footage of it or everything, it's very scattered. Like, it's music. Like, it doesn't sound like crap to me, right? And I feel like everyone was kind of enjoying what they were hearing from each member. But when it came to transitioning everything, it got all screwed up. And, like, the, I guess, famous ending to it was that our single, our biggest single at the time or whatever... We didn't even get to perform because the next band wanted to kick us off stage. I remember you telling me about this. <laughs> yeah, so like I thought I that remember. was so ironic that it was you like you guys got cut off before like your big finale. Or and that was what I felt was really going to raise the roof because we were going to play there. centerfold. We right? were going to play centerfold. That was yeah. the best song. 
That's my favorite song. Yes. Yeah, so that's Off what, of October Skies. And that's what we were going to like, you know, save the best for last. Originally, actually, when we were rehearsing at Music Loft, we were going to come out to Centerfold. But then Percy, the drummer, made like a late last minute suggestion and said, well, why don't we just wait, save it for the end? And maybe we can do this cool kind of like, you know, walk off stage and then come out to an encore to that. And then we said, you know what, that would actually be kind of cool. And I feel like the crowd would go with that. And then right when we were about to do that, I think the problem was, like I said, the transitioning. We weren't able to like stop. I kept giving them every type of signal that you could think of. Like, hey, you know, guys. Like, Cues and stuff. Yeah, he, 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 like, let's go. Don't come up on the stage for the love of God, please. Yeah, bro. And I could see like right when they were doing that, they came up and I was like, well, we got one more song. And then everyone's like, one more song, one more song. And then um, the guy's like, oh, you're busting my chops. If you see in the video, he's just like, what do you want me to do? And it's like, well. You're the next band, so I mean, maybe you can be patient enough to let us play one three-minute song. Three more minutes, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, I think prior to us, there had been like two bands that had gone on, and then there was maybe like two more after us, including those guys. But the bar was still open for another hour and a half, so I was like, I don't know what's going on here. If like maybe the owners even encouraging them to get us off, maybe that's always a possibility. But from what I got from the vibes was no one had a problem with us doing one more song. Yeah. And you know, it was very intimidating because like that was like, you know, the last time we got a real solid opportunity to perform before we had like the lineup changes and everything. And then, you know, just different things occurring with everyone else's yeah. like lives and stuff during that year, which, you know, last year, of course, but. You know, it was like, it was a real good opportunity to do that. But it's kind of like my whole point about that is that, you know, regardless of where you perform or where you go, you can always draw in new fans. You can always draw in a new crowd. But, you know, that day I feel like we kind of got like a, you know, like short a little tease. Short end of the stick. Yeah, short end of the stick and definitely a tease. Because I felt like it was like, it, we were right there. It was good to go. And then everything kind of like melts when the grand yeah. finale is going to happen, you know. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that stuff will come to like with just performing more. And like hitting a bunch of different places, like you got to kind of build that like fan base up to where like, yeah. you know, you're not feeling like you're catering to like what the bar wants to hear. Like people mm. are there to hear what you're playing. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. uh, just like collaborative, because I'm sure like the other bands like probably just wanted to play, you know, like, yeah, I'm just sure. to have a chance sitting around right. waiting all night. Like you're waiting to play just as much as the next guy. So right. a lot of that stuff, like it's just a headache, like collaborating with people, especially with the other bands. Like if you don't know them that well or. Like they're not your friends and all that stuff. Right. And I mean, I think that looking back at it too, like it was kind of like a learning lesson that it's like, you know, it's kind of on you too to be communicative with your band and find some way to implement that. So that way when you do go out there, it's how it's supposed to look. It's professional. It's not scattered or whatever, but. It's um, rehearsed. Like, well, yeah. Like, like you know what you're doing. doing. Well, because like, you know, you think about it when you're doing your rehearsals, the whole point of it is, you know, practice makes perfect. So then when you leave the I studio, agree. you should be feeling comfortable that when you, you know, go to whatever the show is or what concert you have to do, that when you arrive and everything, it's kind of like, you know, riding a bike, it's just like night and day. But in that night, it was just kind of like trying to do stuff on the fly and it yeah, just wasn't quite happening. But I knew that what we were doing, like, I mean... From, the, I think, the audience's perspective, it didn't look like that. But from our perspective, I knew this is, like, a shit show right now. You yeah. know, like, we don't sound bad, but it's just kind of like no one's on the same page with each other. And it's just kind of like, you know, you just threw a bunch of people into a box and then just had them just, like, sit there and do their own thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you guys do shows, like, quite a bit? Or are you kind of trying to work up into that still? Yeah, because, I mean, like, we've had, like, appearances aside from the pub rock, but the problem was is that we've gone through various lineup changes. You know, the band started mm -hmm. in 2019, kind of, because that's when I first started doing it myself with mm -hmm. uh, 
Charles, the fo- the former guitarist at the time. And when we got in the studio, we, you know, went in with various different people. And then finally it kind of stuck once we got Dejan in the band, because then we had my boy, you know, Abe that was drumming at the time, you know, shout out to Abe because, you know, he came in and, you know, helped us out, even though knowing that he's not a rock drummer, he still understood per- percussion because he's been in the church. So he knows yeah. how to sing. He knew how to like perform and play instruments. And some of that worship music is kind of rocky too. Like right, and at it's, it's got core. tempo to yeah. it, you know? So it's like he <laughs> understood, and Dejan does that too, you know, aside from Exhilarate. He also does, um, you know, church gigs as well. So, you know, he's all, him and Abe kind of like, you know, had that in um, in relation. But at the same time, it wasn't, wasn't working because, you know, Abe and Charles were arguing a lot. And Charles, you know, is very um, firm on like where he wants to go in direction with the band. So, with those two arguing all the time, it wasn't really going anywhere. And then um, Abe ended up moving away and then Dejan brought in Percy and then Charles left. And, you know, we kind of just went around with that. When we got Brandon, who's in the cameraman video, that's when we were actually kind of like really going in a good pace and a good direction. Like gaining we were, some momentum we were to gaining actually some do momentum. the damn thing. Yeah. yeah, because we had finally consistency, which is like the main most important thing overall with the with anything but particularly with the band because you got to fire on all cylinders if it's just like one tire rolling you're not going to do shit so um <laughs> yes and i mean it's like some of those guys don't seem to get that concept you're you know wrong. yeah so it's kind of like well if you really want something you're going to do what you want to get after it which is why i've kept perse- persevering with it and knowing that i was you know approached numerous of times by either friends or other people i know that said well, why don't you go solo? Because, I mean, then you only have to rely on yourself. Still need a band to go solo, though. Exactly. And not only that, but that's what I, I told them that. And then the other thing I said, too, is, like, when I think of a solo artist, especially my age, I think of, like, a pop star or, like, American Idol type of thing. And that's yeah. not my bag, you know what I mean? Or, like, somebody from, like, a, an established band that, like, has a side gig is, like, the solo project. Right. Well, yeah. kind of like a Rob Thomas, Matchbox 20 kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But um, I, I didn't you know, want to do that. I really wanted to keep the team concept of a band because I just think it's a dope uh, lifestyle to be able to share and enjoy experiences going to different venues. Cause like when you have that to look back on, you know, you see these bands when they get inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame, how they always discuss, you know, they remember the first gig. They remember like, you know, the first tour bus and all these stepping stones that you go through your career. And then you get to reflect on it and think, wow, like I've done this all so far. And yet, I'm not even anywhere near done. I still got even more different things. But like hearing like, you know, bands that, you know, have talked about the different venues they performed at too. For example, if we're here in Phoenix to go from, you know, auction to the Cardinal Stadium, to the Suns Arena, to Chase Field, to Marquee Theater, to be able to go to do these different venues and see different types of crowds and doing the same thing in different countries. I think that's really like me personally, what I looked for getting into this is because, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's obviously fun because we love music. We all love music here, but also to bring it to life and see how it affects and motivates other people from, you know, different countries, from different cities or whatnot. And like the grand spectacle of the whole thing. Too. Right. It's yeah, a universal yeah. language. It is. Yeah. And it's like what brought us together, you know, right. like it's really what, um, what makes I think it's like the best form of communication because I tell people regardless of what you're going through, whether you're mad, happy or sad, that music always will resonate and communicate with you because there's always a type of song or a specific artist that you can go to that you feel like really does uh, communicate to you or like speaks to you and makes you have that feeling 
and like kind of gets everyone out of all their things. Like, you know, the other night I was at, um, uh, the Blink-182 concert. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, that looked fucking sweet. Dude, that concert was so rad. Um, and and uh, Turnstile opened for him it, too, right? How it was, was also, it was uh, Travis Barker's son, Landon, was the first act. And then Turnstile came and then Blink. And bro, all of them were great. Like I, I had a, such a blast and like Turnstile, I feel like, you know, they're a band too that eventually, hopefully they get more recognition because whenever you're the opener for any of these main headliners the crowd's not always going to be like rocking with you because nope, they, yeah. not only do they maybe not know your stuff but it's like they didn't come to see you you know they came to see blink and like you just happened to be there killing their time exactly right? so the fans are kind of like you know patiently waiting saying you know i'll watch this but for me though i always enjoy it you know regardless if it was someone like us or any new band because then when you look back on it kind of going back to what i was saying you can say I saw them when no one knew who they were. Or no one like gave a shit. Got no one gave going a shit. And, <laughs> and I got like, you know, close up or I saw them doing stuff that like now they're famous for that, you know, no one would have known back then. But um, also like, you know, watching them perform and seeing kind of like their journey and what they went through, you know, like Mark Hopp is the bass player, you know, almost died Had from like cancer. cancer yeah, yeah. And seeing his energy and seeing, you know, these guys that, you know, broke up twice now in their career and how they were still coming together it means that there was something that you know was bigger than them it was the fact that they knew they had something that changed the world and made people like um you know gravitate towards them like when i was um when we were watching the show me and my buddy darian like we saw like this couple that were in front of us and um they played the song adam's song that you know i love that song and i know a lot of people um you know love that song because of what it means and you know how it talks about struggle and depression and the you know the guy was starting to cry and you see his girlfriend hug him and everything and i was like this is what it's all about though because this means the world to him to be here because who knows what he's got going on in his personal life or you know whether you're you know stuck at work or school and you're just kind of like man i can't wait to go to this and you're finally there and they do that it's a special moment that i want us to be able to create too for people that are looking forward to seeing us perform and people that like to listen to our music that, you know, we've had people that say, you know, we love the sound. We love the lyrics. We just, you know, we want to see the energy because we see that it's there and that it's only a matter of time that, you know, things build up and then you get mm -hmm. to finally, you know, put yourself out there more and see people and watch and see what, what resonates with them and why they were felt, you know, connected to seeing you when they, wherever they first listened to you or wherever they first saw you, you know? Is that kind of the uh, approach that you guys take when you write a song then is like to, to like build that meaning or do you want it to like retroactively apply the meaning after the song's already written? Well, so like all the songs that we've done so far, um, you know, I, I wrote the lyrics and then the structuring I leave to the guys. So October Skies, when we put that out, that was pretty much all Charles and I and then Dejan doing some recording like on his laptop and then Abe doing some uh, production as well too um centerfold like what we were talking about earlier was the first song we ever wrote um and i put that as a personal ode to like me having to move around a lot because when um when i was in college at gcu i left at one point in the middle of it and then when i went back home um i went to a different school and then when when everyone was at home our house burnt down so yeah so i ended up um you know, we, you know, we lost everything and it was a huge turning point in my life. And then it was the first time or getting, I guess the, the ball, the domino effect of getting the ball rolling of having to move around a lot. 
and never really having to do that except once, which was from, you know, college dorm to back home, back and forth. Yeah. Now it was like, no, it's moving from house to apartment, apartment to house. And I, I was starting to wonder when it was going to come to an end, thinking that, you know, it's just kind of like life's going in a whole scattered rotation. And then um, during that time, when I was at, when I went back to GCU, I was in a relationship and then that lasted almost four years. And one, once that ended, um, it was the first time in years that I had felt free to do whatever I wanted to do, you know, and nothing against any one girl that I've dated or anything. It was just a matter of like, you know, it's like, like a personal thing. Yeah. It's like where you go through a whole time of uh, growing up, just being, you know, at home and hanging out with friends. And then when you get in a relationship, how it drastically changes your whole um, routine structure of your life, everything priorities, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like all of that changing was a huge uh, thing for me. So once that ended though, and then I was actually like focused on my life, I wrote centerfold because I said to myself, like, you know, the first lyrics of the song is I've overstayed my welcoming. Cause I feel like I went from spot to spot to spot knowing that like, I really wanted to be independent on my own. And I still feel like I have to like, you know, live with other people or do these, you know, like do the whole, you know, moving around a lot and how it gets just very tiring at some point because you want to say, I just want to be grounded. Like hard to find stability. Like when you know you're going to end up going somewhere else or or shaking Mm -hmm. it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I sang the lyrics to Charles and then he, um, he wrote it on the guitar, you know, he started making some structure with the chords and then, you know, we uh, like Abe was kind of like, you know, tapping along to it. And then Dejan added the bass once we did the whole recording. Um, so we recorded the whole project at Saltmine. And, gotcha. and the engineer was uh, this younger dude named Brendan. He was a cool guy. You know, I, I really liked working with him. Um, when I look back on it, though, um, and what I've seen with a lot of engineers here and there is that, you know, there's definitely a, a, a certain genre that you're that you favored, you know, that like you like more or less like specialized to yes. like more accustomed to working with. So yeah. for example, like you you really like rock music, right? And you yeah. like bands. So it's like That's exactly why I interned with Jeremy Parker. Yeah. Because he did all that rock <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like that's you know, music to my ears and to his ears to say you want to work with an engineer or producer that excuse me that loves that kind of music and that actually knows how to make it sound like what you're looking for in that. So with Brendan and then also with uh, the homie Gabriel Salcido Sal, I, I, I think that they, they do really well with the hip hop and the rap scene. And Especially salt mine is like a, like if you're a hip hop artist, like salt mine is like a gold mine. Like yeah, it's it's place to go. Gold mecca. Mine. yeah. It's the Mecca for all these rappers to go a, there. A buddy that I uh, went to school with, uh, actually works at salt mine. Oh really? He's just, dude, he's just killing it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. No, I, I, I liked it there. It's really cool because of all the history there, but you know, Kevin you took me there. That was my first time there. Yeah. I took Kevin there and I thought that, you know, it'd be a great experience for, for him to check it out. Cause you know, he wasn't there when we did the October skies thing, but I mean, ever since then, everything else he's been there and experienced because after October skies, it was not till a whole another year that we put out the next single, which was I Want to Go. Yeah, I see that right here. Yeah, and so that was actually very different from anything exhilarate sounding because mm-hmm. it was more of like an R&B-ish rock song because I do a lot of falsetto and there's like 808s and stuff in it. Um, Just kind of like amped up the production in a different way with Yeah, with I thought that since now that Charles wasn't really involved, although ironically he actually worked on it though because we hadn't – We've gone long periods of times without hearing from him. And so it was kind of like 
you know, a little bit of hope that maybe he wanted to start working again when he laid some guitar on that. But I think the reason why he did that, though, was because we worked on it with him before and then we put it back in the stash. And then mm. Dejan and I talked about it and said, well, we never really finished this. And this actually was a song that we performed when we performed at Pub Rock. And we thought, why don't we actually like make it something so we can put it out? And then, you know, I, I played it for Kevin and, you know, he liked it and he thought it was pretty unique how different it was sounding. Um, and so the reception we got from that, everyone was liking it. Um but they did still think that um, there could be different improvements to what we were doing. So when we went back to the drawing board on Set in Stone, I had sang that originally to Brandon, who'd stepped in for Charles, and he came up with the original first strumming of it. That's when we recorded it like three different ways. We did it with Dejan, we did it at Salt Mine, and then we did it with Sal over on Grand Ave. And looking back at it, I mean, there's a lot I would wish we could have done differently. I mean, even if we did it all here with you, you know what I'm saying? Like they're like, all like different sounding and kind of different like stylistically then? Yeah, or? well, because the other problem that we've had too with every recording was that we did it all with regardless of which member we did it with, like in the band or with a friend, they were all using Logic and everyone else engineer-wise uses Pro, Pro Tools. Tool, for the most part, I would say probably. Yeah, so, so like transferring damn, your sessions and all like bad. all your plug-in settings and all that. Yeah, because we did that the first time we recorded with Sal was that we were doing Centerfold and that we had the whole rough draft already mixed. We just needed to do it like, so we can maybe put live, implement live drums, master it or have him master it so that way it's sounding the best that you do. And that was a whole mess because then when we tried to transfer the files, same thing. Like it was just a whole shit show when it came to making that work. And so then we said, we got to do something where we can just say, all right, whatever you can record at your house or whatever we can record in-house, we'll do that. And then everything else that should be done professionally at a studio, we'll do that. So we did the live drums here with you guys. And then, of course, we had that little same issue with the logic. I, say, I, I remember uh, Dejan like, with his laptop, we were having like issues like transferring files or something. Right. Getting that all to work, yeah. You know, and, and, and Dejan's got so much stuff on his laptop when it comes to even his solo music, which I'm hoping at some point he does something with that because, you know, he's got a lot of good solo music. You know, Kevin's got a lot of good solo music too. So, um, you know, hoping that they continue with that as well, because, you know, we do stuff outside of the band, you know, no, with yeah. other people, of course. But um, I think now the more focus is to continue with this, to make sure that we actually, you know, brand ourselves more, get ourselves out there. You know, there's things like first Friday. That's another thing that we're talking about. Um, I have my boy, Johnny. Um, he runs this company called living dreams. That's actually really cool. And he has puts on tons of events. You know, he, they do things for, um, for the community and whatnot, but he also does a lot of DJs, <clears throat> excuse me, DJ sets at pools. So he says like, exactly. you know, we can get you guys in there whenever you're ready. Yeah, I thought you were talking to me about that. I was gonna ask yeah, so the pool guy. We're, we're trying to work on that. The thing is though, and what's kind of delayed everything is I'm actually going to go under the knife in about a couple of weeks. I got a hernia that I got to get removed. Yeah, yeah, good so luck with that. Man. I know, man. Damn. So it's been something that I've held off now for years. You know, it was originally discovered when I had my last surgery, which was beginning of 2018. I had a pineal cyst on my tailbone that got removed. But when they were examining the area, they saw that or they said that I had a hernia, but it was no problem because it wasn't a huge size. It wasn't like a issue or painful or nothing like significant that. that would like interrupt any like daily activities or any physical activities. So, um, 
you know, I'm, I, uh, in the last couple of years or so, it started getting significantly bigger. And then, you know, I went, I just went to the doctor this year and they said, yeah, it definitely needs to get surgery. Um, and it's, it's, a you know, not, not too long of a recovery process. They say, you know, the better shape that you're in, the faster you can come back from it. Yeah. So my doctor, you know, my surgeon, he said like, you know, you, you should be good to go after a couple of weeks to be able to do any type of like, you know, moving around. Um, and you know, like work-wise, what I do is like, you know, it's a lot of like physical stuff, um, you know, moving stuff around, pushing and pulling. So like now that, you know, I'll be stepping away from that, I'll be able to focus more on the medical time off that I have to work more with Kevin and Dejan, get some new material recorded and put together. And then eventually, uh, once I'm good to go, start promoting the hell out of hell yeah we'll go out shows, there doing all that yeah because i mean like we got venues and stuff to look at um i even had a discussion one time with like randy about the big room about mm. you know doing something here so that way it's kind of something we can throw in-house and just mm-hmm. kind of like have our own people there to come out and support and just yeah. get, get get the tires rolling yeah um, i've actually been uh talking with him about that a little bit lately because yeah we get a lot of people that uh, haven't been in here long enough to like, they still think it's rehearsal rooms and stuff. Right. Yeah. And so, um, a lot of people like want to have like little shows in there. And mm-hmm. I think we're working out a thing to where like, you know, you have your own door guide, BYOB, do right. all your own like promoting um, and stuff. But right. I think we're kind of leaning into like figuring out a way to host shows and all that stuff in there. So, I mean, it'd be awesome. Right. The yeah, only issue cool. is parking. And then like the, the one bathroom thing. So I'm thinking we'd probably put like portals out there or something too. If you like, you know, have an event with significantly amount of large crowds and people, you know, but um, yeah, no. And so that's kind of like the, the game plan right now is that once I have the surgery, just depending on how I'm feeling um, I'm not too worried because I think that, you know, like I, I take pretty good care of myself and they'll come like, back around pretty strong. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, and also it's not like I'm going to have to move around so much in the beginning, but like that is kind of part of the game. My you know, stage presence is moving around a lot, you know, yeah. being a front man and everything. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting that finally over with. Cause after that, there's really like no limitations, no setbacks, no nothing. No. Yeah. Cause really up to this point, the only thing was, was trying to get more consistent with everyone together. You know, with Dejan, his, you know, thing is that he's got a little one at home. He's got his son. So, you know, balancing that with work and then this, it's very difficult, but you know, I think he tries to make the best of it, you know, for the yeah. time being. Um, but Kevin and I, you know, we're, you know, we don't have anything really like holding us back or whatnot. So like the fact that we're working more consistently now and that whenever we group up and start rehearsing, it's just a matter of what we schedule and what we get going from there. And then we'll be out there. We'll be like, hey, like, let's do this day and this day. And we're like, oh, we can't, you know, we reschedule and we, we show up. Yeah, because like, you know, because locally, you know, there's people that already know about us and that have talked about it. Because, I mean, I've done some pop ups of like me singing solo and stuff. And then Kevin's done gone on live and he's done, you know, some things showing people like what he's been working on. Now, you guys are like all over my Instagram all the time and stuff, too. Yeah. Like the, the content game is up there. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's why I think it's been hyped up a lot. And we're, we're really looking forward to finally like implementing everything yeah. yeah and bringing it all to life but i mean where, what i would think of it is is that <laughs> it's kind of like foreshadowing what's to come to hopefully go to different states and then eventually out of the country because like one of my biggest goals is for us to be able to really perform in like south america 
Because crazy. My opinion is that crazy. The, the, the greatest crazy. crowds, the biggest crowds, the greatest crowds are in South America. I mean, you watch like you seen like Metallica play South America. They love Insane. American music. Like literally, like I feel like people in Mexico or all over South America, it's like all they play is American music. And like you said, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, like any of the rock bands or the classic rock bands, they play that like nonstop. So when you see them finally go out there, and then like on the Instagram pages, like any bands that I follow or whatever. Every comment, come Spanish, to Brazil, Spanish, come Spanish, to Brazil, like, come to Argentina. <laughs> we love you. And it's like, they're going to come and they'll perform there. And the very next day they'll be like, come back. Like we need to see you again. And everything. Oh, you could and it's book like, like weeks out in advance. Probably people probably oh, go yeah. to the same show like three times in a row. And, and, but I mean, I don't blame them though. Cause I mean, it's kind of like when you grow up in those like areas, like, is, you know, for sure, like the very poor areas or the village areas in those countries, like the best thing they have to look forward to is kind of like what I was talking about, like with the Blink-182 concert where people have waited the entire year or bought the tickets way in advance. Like and, literally like a year in advance. And like they're finally yeah. there. And it's yeah. like, and the, and the other thing too is like, they're not phone zombies. Like no one there's like living on their phone. They're just living in the moment and jumping. I'm like, you wonder why all these artists go out there more than here. Like it's kind of like Eminem, like he hardly plays in the U.S. When you ever look up like Eminem live, it's always in Europe yeah, or like South Germany America, or Germany. Yeah. yeah, because he prefers it. He knows that everyone there like truthfully like loves his music and wants to see him. They're not just trying to you know like gain clout or you know gain followers by posting Get the video, Instagram likes because like oh I went to this thing. Yeah, and then everyone's like oh there it is because matters like, a lot more nowadays. Yeah, but I mean like I I think truthfully though with 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 um with social media and stuff it's yeah. fine and cool to be posting you know the videos like i've done that like every concert i've been to but let's say like out of an average two-hour concert it's maybe like two minutes of content and some photos where everyone else it'll be like an hour's worth of like footage and stuff nah. and it's like did you were you even at the show or is this like something that you downloaded from someone else that was there because it's like you didn't even really like enjoy the moment because like i always say the biggest most important thing for me when it comes to shows is the entrance and the ending because, oh, yeah. you know, well, that's saying, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. But when it comes to shows, it's both because the anticipation of the crowd, whenever you, anyone goes out there, like it's always gives you goosebumps, at least for and me. And like when that bass first kicks in, like it rattles and your the body drums and, and, and everything, like, oh, yeah. like the real like rock and roll. And like when it comes to life, it's like it's the most euphoric and like biggest adrenaline rush, like whether performing or being in the crowd watching. I think it's just there's no other feeling or setting like that. But um, yeah, when I've watched like Lollapalooza or any of these festivals in Argentina, you know, Brazil, Chile, anywhere, I'm just kind of like, man, like, I wish those type of crowds were out here too. There are some, oh, yeah. you know, but at the same time, it's not consistent. Like, you know, I've, I, when I was at the Bling concert, when I was at the Bottle Rock Festival in Napa, like in May, I went to all three days and it was kind of like, you see the differences in the crowd based on the generations, like the older people living more in the moment you know, singing along. And then you see the kids and stuff that are like, maybe like 18 or younger that are just like on watching it through the iPhone screen. Like, yeah, yeah. Or not even like paying attention, just kind of like more so worried about the photos they took of themselves and trying to load it to post it rather than living in the moment being like, well, you know, at one point this all ends and then afterwards there's yeah. nothing going on. So then you can kind of focus on it then. But, um, you know, I took my mom the second day and we had like a blast because we saw people like Duran Duran and all these groups and stuff that she put me on because I always say my mom's the one that really put me on to everything music, whether like disco, same. I agree with that. Yeah. Eighties, nineties, everything, you know, because I think that like all these artists that come from those times have really stayed true and authentic to their craft. 
and like they they still you know give the same experience you know it's unfortunate for me because i think that i i always say a lot of the people that i like or enjoy like are way past their prime or like i didn't get to see them in their prime i still seen a lot of them you know the best concert i said was uh that i saw was prince in 2004 my mom took me for my 10th birthday and i was like that is by far like the best concert the best show i've ever seen the amount of energy because like you know him and seeing guys like kiss and all that it was just like they stay true to like what they said they want to do like you want to give the show that you never saw which is what i think about like with us is that i i take notes of like everyone i've seen whether like a band, a rapper, a singer, anything. I'm like, all right, this is what they did. This is what I would have done. And then when we do our show, this is how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like regardless of how the audience reacts to it, whatnot, as long as I leave, like knowing that I did it the way that I want to do it and that we collectively sounded how we wanted to sound, like that's really the most gratifying feeling at the end of the day, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, uh, you know, once like you at the point where you're done paying your dues, like at all the small shows and stuff, and yeah, you like have that ability to like get the ramped up production. Like, mm-hmm. if you're already going to it with that mindset, probably do some really cool stuff, yeah. And I mean, like, you know, even like with like newer bands, like I've seen a lot of um people locally here as well as at these festivals that kind of gives me more hope that like I really encourage people that we do need more bands. I think that a lot of people are trying to do the solo thing, but I think yeah. that you know the the sound of rock and roll and everything is always going back to these groups that really all had members that contributed to the rock and roll it's a beautiful thing like when you guys just play and you just have that chemistry it's very beautiful i think when you just mesh and like make some everyone's happy with uh you know it makes it easy you guys all mash together it's it's a it's a magical thing uh it's not something you speak about really just you know you see it you feel it and it's just like yeah you know that's right yeah, and I've seen it like with every decade of artists that, you know, you you can say that each decade had their, you know, solid unit of people that really defined the sound or defined the mm-hmm. image of everything and how like we can do that with this generation. Because there's like bands like, you know, Greta Van Fleet or, you oh, know, yeah. you know, like, younger guys like Turnstile and all that, that really, I think, on, want to honor that. And they want to really embrace the culture of rock and roll and bring people back into it and saying, you know, it's nice to see, you know, the 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 growth of like hip hop and the electronic scene and you see these festivals and how that's all being very popular now. But there's always going to be an audience for rock and roll and there's always going to be an audience for bands that, you know, people love that type of atmosphere and that type of sound that everyone, you know, gets into at some point. And like live instrumentation. Like I feel like it's kind of it. taken a backseat a little bit, but I feel like it's kind of coming back. Yeah, like I like seeing like with rappers, like when I saw Wiz Khalifa, like how he actually incorporates a band a into his life band, set. Yeah, because yeah. I mean that's really what you want to see is like little a, a, Uzi Vert with Paramore. That that was cool too. That that's that's, that that's a cool mess, dude. That would yeah. be so little Uzi Vert with Paramore. <laughs> well, and yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, um, older acts bringing out younger acts to collaborate to kind of like continue or like pass the torch, if you will. You know, yeah. like. Um, you see, seeing like bands, like when I saw Duran Duran with my mom, they brought out Tove Lo and she's like a really good singer. And I'd never really gotten deep into her catalog. I knew who she was and I heard some of her like big hits and stuff, but she put on a good individual show. But when they brought her out and then you brought in the sound, it was a mix of the contemporary as well as retro, which is really unique when you see like artists kind of like combine their sound, but they make it still relevant. It's not something that sounds dated. It's something that sounds really clean, you know? And it's like huge right now. 
It I feel is, like that's yeah. kind of like the thing that's really getting like numbers moving and stuff mm-hmm. is, is that kind of collaboration and bringing them out like to their shows and concerts mm-hmm. or like, and then that's another thing is like, you don't see that as much too much anymore compared to like back in the day where like bands would bring each other out and it'd be like, everyone was all caught, caught off guard. And then these days that type of moment would be everyone goes crazy and pulls out their phones immediately. Cause they bring someone out that's like, Oh, a special guest and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, because that that's like another thing about the cell phone thing is that I know that that's kind of like the world we live in right now. But I think that it did kind of kill some of the music scene, especially for concerts, because when you look at all these old concert videos, like a Slipknot where every member it's of the crowd going is going crazy. nuts. Yeah. And it's like, this is the environment that I like because like. <laughs> Why, that's why I always, whenever I go to a show, I want to be the closest to the stage because not only is it the closest to the action, but it's where the, I think the real fans that actually want to go to enjoy the show go. And then everyone that's chilling in the back is who I was bringing up, you know. And depending on what show you go to, you have a less likely chance of like getting kicked in the back of the head or something. Oh, yeah. No, like anyone that's <laughs> moshing, like any of these concerts, like when I went to the Mayhem Tour in 2014, it was just like all metal bands. And I saw like, you know. But who was, I think I went to that too. Who was on that? It was at auction and it was like Corn, Asking Alexandria, Avenged Sevenfold, Suicide Silence, oh, Cannibal Corpse. I, I must have hit. Uh, Mayhem came through like uh, in Washington. I actually went to it with my mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, uh, that's cool. I forget who it was, but it wasn't that one. It was around the same time though. Right. No, and it was just so kick-ass. Like I just loved the fact that even any of these bands that I would never really go directly to listening to or like, you know, choosing on my phone to like play – just the loud music and just music being performed live in general is just such a great feeling. So like all those bands, like I said, even if I didn't listen to them or anything, I still loved watching them perform and everything because I think that like music, like the screamo metal and everything does have a specific audience to it. But like, I, I'm one of those people though, where it's like, even if I don't listen to that on my off time, if I saw someone performing that, I would still embrace it and enjoy the fact that that is actual talent you know, vocally as a vocalist myself to see someone do that on and on and tour. I'm like, you know, you deserve your respect and acknowledgement because it doesn't have to necessarily be my sound that I like, but watching it perform and seeing anyone perform their music, I think it takes, you know, a lot of artists, mutual artists to see each other and be like, well, I still support that because I love seeing someone live out their dream, but also giving quality music to the people into their crowds and their audiences. Like Dance Gavin Dance, that song? Yeah. Summertime Gladness? <laughs> Bro, amazing right. song. I'm indifferent about Dance Gavin Dance. <laughs> I, I love Dance Gavin Dance. Shout out Will Swan. He's a great guitarist. He's a genius guitarist. That's funny. <laughs> um, but you're talking about like the Screamo stuff too. And like, uh, yeah. do you know uh, Lorna Shore? That guy, Will Six, Ramos. Yes. <laughs> bro. Maybe. Into the Hellfire. The most insane like vocal that's performance insane. that will probably be done. He's He's just going, going up. They got so like so much press off that song and like a ton. Is it the song the song that you played me? No, uh, this is a different, a completely different like day and night genre. Oh, okay, um, it's like yeah, people think that like you know like metal music is just people going like and like saying like nonsense, but like that guy has to actually <laughs> make a conscious effort not to blow his mm-hmm. vocal cords out and That's like insane. practice all that stuff. And uh, he has a very informative, great video on his. Uh, he goes to. A doctor and check out the camera down his throat throat and just like how it like you know shapes and makes these cool like shapes and stuff i I think it was very (laughs) informative it's really cool and it's like this man knows what he's doing like he takes care of himself oh yeah i mean like i wish they could do that too with like Corey taylor or something (laughs) to see like what's going on because you know even 
like vocalists and stuff or other guys that do multiple bands, you know, like it's kind of crazy how they do that. And it's like you balance having to know all these songs, working with different people too, because it's not like they're going to be the same type of guys working with different personalities and stuff. I think that's very unique how, you know, well, like how we say, like how everyone's like different in the band, but we still Mm -hmm. know how to musically communicate with one another. Like what would you say you're like your go-to genres or, or like bands would go? I mean, like with the rock and stuff, it's kind of like all the ones I was mentioning earlier. I mean, like I love, well, see, because like music wise, I say we we have to go back to the 90s. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that really was the golden age of like rock, hip hop, like a lot of things, even sports. Like when, when it comes to like all the athletes, like you being a Mariners fan, Tristan, like Ken Griffey Jr. The 90s were the only time we were actually relevant and good. And well, relevant. <laughs> I just think that everyone was that that to me, decade wise, is the last decade that's the closest to being modern, but st- still having vintage to it, you know, where yeah. it's it was it was now it was the 90s was today without cell phones and still a lot more, um, I think, social connection. You know, everyone was still kind of like, I feel like living in the moment, of course, but like people knew how to interact with each other, but they still lived in the modern times where it was kind of like what we're seeing today with everyone trying to be able to live as themselves or like, you know, listening to multiple genres. You know, a lot of my friends that I'm the closest with, you know, we don't limit our sound to like what we listen to. So it's kind of like what Kevin was asking. I was like, Every genre I have, like, specific acts that I listen to. You know, like I said, Prince was the fa- my favorite concert. He was my favorite individual artist, him and mm-hmm. MJ. Band-wise, you know, I love Nirvana. I mean, I think Kurt Cobain was, like, one of the, like, you know, most special songwriters. Because, like, he, he did things, like, in a way that I feel like I try to do, which is you try to make it as simple as possible in the beginning. Because when you're building an audience, you're, you know— not to jump around, but that was kind of like Charles and I, the only really problem with us when it came to songwriting is that I wanted to make it short and simple and to the point. So it could be something that's more radio play. He wanted to do like these Led Zeppelin tool, impressive things, seven, eight minute long songs. Cause cameraman (laughs) that we filmed here with you, Kevin was like, it was originally even like a seven and a half, eight minute song. And I had to convince him to condense it then. It cut like 30 bars of the guitar solo or anything. Yeah, yeah, no, he he literally (laughs) had to like, I had to like, you know, come to an agreement with him because I was like, Charles, we got to meet in the middle here because now when I think about it, we've already done three songs. This is the fourth one, but we're trying to grab people's attention here and this generation's attention span is so short as it is oh yeah like three minutes tops you're like losing people yeah no unless it's just like you're just in your face kind of like the metal music where it's like you can't help but be like where's this gonna go you know like what direction is this going in the one thing like about the short attention span uh that drives me crazy is like on tiktok when they take like songs and they make them faster oh yeah and like like there's some songs where like i didn't realize it wasn't that fast until i heard the real song right like i just people are just trying to squeeze like so much into like a minute and it's kind of honestly ruining songs too that like tiktok yeah (laughs) attention span well no so like for example like Back when um, when I first got into college, you know, the TikTok then was Vine because the whole point of Vine was to, you know, acknowledge seven seconds. Yeah, that the average there attention span of everyone was six or seven seconds. So then when TikTok came about, I was like, so this is just you know, like the Vine version of Instagram, really, because it's like it's all videos. It's also because the attention span of the younger generation is so limited as it is. So. Now, like it started off like what, like all the dancing videos, and then 
Mm-hmm. Once it went from that, it went to now actual celebrities and stuff utilizing it. So then now like everyone's kind of like, well, then I guess, you know, we're all kind of having to succumb to it. I guess you, we're all doing it. Yeah, if you can't beat them to join them. But then you hear the whole thing about China and the, you know, monitoring the networking and whatnot on the internet. So well, everything you do sells your data. Like I get it. Yeah. But, you so know. it's like, I, I didn't really think too much of it. The only reason why I got on it and why Kevin got on it too is just for for the music purposes, you know. For him, when he's when I met him, he had already had his uh, solo work, his single "Cold Room." Yeah, my TikTok is kind of questionable at this point, but I mainly wanted to use <laughs> like what you post personally is questionable, or what you see uh, well, is it's questionable. Not like, it's nothing inappropriate. It's nothing inappropriate. <laughs> I'm just saying, like you know, it's like silly stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, a little, it's it's personal sometimes, but you know. Um, I mainly wanted to do like social media to put like out music and stuff. Like for example, my Instagram, I really want to make it to, you know, a professional, you know, putting out, you know, pictures of us, of the band, of the music. Um, uh, what do you call it? The stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have some clips of me and my personal stuff. I, I just started putting like drum clips and stuff. Um, I really want to make it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like anymore you kind of have to use social media because like I was kind of anti-social media for a minute there, mm-hmm. but like Same. Uh, doing like the music stuff and like wanting to work with bands and, and record music and all that, like everybody uses it. It's you can win-win. find people that way. You kind of have to post it, like get your name out there. It's you a know, win-win. If you have like a, a I following, think it's a idea. people think you're more impressive or whatever. So yeah, I was it's the same. I was struggle. the same way. Like when I was in high school and stuff or even middle school, because like, well, Sixth grade up to eighth grade or whatever, it was like MySpace. And then high school for me, it was like the Facebook and stuff. I didn't get into either two, but everyone else did. In fact, the only reason why I started a Facebook page was because my English teacher gave me mm-hmm. extra credit on it. Like 20 <laughs> points extra credit where I just had to follow him. For what? Oh. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. Because it was just something like to help, I guess, kind of like bond the class, if you will. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, you know, class engagement thing. It's like, hey, join it. the club, the Facebook page. <laughs> so I did that, never participated. I just got my extra credit and dipped on that. Called it a day, yeah. So I didn't get social media till like right after my sophomore year in college. It was like when I got my first phone with internet on it. So then I was like on Instagram and Snapchat. And I feel like when I look back on it, I was definitely like one of those parents learning how to use a phone. In terms of the social media aspect of it, because oh, I would just no. post like random stuff that really didn't make any sense because I was like, well, isn't that what people are doing? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. like so, like selfies or like, you know, oh, it's a beautiful day, you know, like a fuck, p- picture of like the sky or something like that. But then, um, you know, as time progressed and then I started gaining a lot of traction and following on there, I was just like, oh, so you can really make this work into your own benefit. Like, oh, yeah. you know, whatever it is you're looking into, whatever it was like modeling or photography or music. So then um, when I started posting stuff about the music, that's when I started getting a lot of comments from people being like, is this for real? Is this serious? Because I'm a communications major. So like my whole degree was for television and radio. Yeah. You know, I, that was my passion, you know, sports casting, because I was a huge sports fan. Still am. But I mean, like music has always been a huge passion for me. So I wanted to be able to, um, you know, do something in the media outlet. And so um, when we were like doing, you know, different stuff with like, messing around with the music like Charles and I like in the studio and everything and people were seeing that I'd say 90% of them including my parents and stuff kind of like was all like oh cool yeah because they thought it was just some like for fun thing like it was like a one-off like cool little project yeah it was just kind of like all right cool you know he's working and stuff and then he's got this kind of little hobby he does on the side and then once I kind of like finally got it through a lot of people's heads including them that like no this is something serious this is something I want to do everyone's kind of like really and, you know, that's where it kind of divides to who takes it serious and then who kind of like is going to be judgmental or 
you know, be envy and jealous of envy of you because you're doing something and they're not doing anything with their lives. Um, and it's a reality check too. Cause like, I feel like when I did get into that part of my life, the transition from, you know, ending the relation or being out of that relationship and starting to exhilarate was that I saw who really supported me and who didn't. And that after being out of high school and out of college, seeing people kind of like really go downhill or kind of like, you know, yeah you know it's 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 kind of sad because i saw a lot of people that i really had faith in that i thought was going to do something with their lives because we always talked about growing up what our dreams were and i did mention music that i thought one time i wanted to be like prince or i wanted to be you know the greatest front man ever or something and then you have people that laugh at you or teachers that would be like well what's your plan b or something like that and then i had friends that you know really did end up following through with what they said along with me that we look back and we're like hey it was maybe like a, a group of 20 of us or 30 of us all talking about this. And there's only maybe a handful or even less I'm not even did that thing, actually yeah. have done something. And it's so unfortunate because I, I only wish the best out of everyone. I really hate to see people like go down downhill. And I've seen it happen, unfortunately, to a lot of people where it's kind of like, what happened? Like everyone has their story. You know, I, I don't judge people because I learned throughout growing up and even to these last couple of years, like, you know, with the pandemic and everything that's like, everyone's going through something and sometimes it's just a lot of people don't vocalize it. You know, I feel like my way of vocalizing is through the music because set in stone to me is the most personal song I've ever written because it talks about the house burning down. You know, I say like, I watched my memories burn and fade away. The flames took away my namesake because I feel like everything that was a part of me was gone. You know, like all the music stuff I collected, all the, photos the videos the sports stuff like, like my, did you grow up in that house too yeah like that, that, memories, that was the family everything home. so like, everything's yeah. gone so and then after that like two years later my grandparents house burnt down and like anything that was given to my family for me at least you know me being out here they kept it there so that was gone too just, yeah my high school like half of it burnt down and all the houses that surrounded that area burnt down so it almost became a theme. Was know? it in like the California wildfires? Yeah, Northern or? California. Gotcha. So north of the Bay Area is where um, they've all predominantly happened for the past, you know, 10 years or so. It's like every other year there's a significant fire. That, Some crazy wildfire, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, well, you, you get used to that in like Southern California, like San Bernardino or San Fernando Valley or whatever, where mm. it's so dry that it's kind of like everyone out there is so prepared for it at this point. You kind of just have to know that, like, there's an inevitable chance it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen regardless if, you know, don't want to accept it. It's like, yeah, based on the environment you're in, it's inevitable that this is going to happen. You know, same thing like with people in Florida that have to deal with the hurricanes. They know you're right in the, you know, central of it, so it's going to happen. But with us, um, it became a theme because it happened to my parents and I and my sister, and it happened to my grandparents. And, you know, I shout out to my sister too, because she really saved my grandma on that second fire because she was asleep and my sister called the neighbors because she's like, we can't get a hold of her. They're not coming out. Like, no. Yeah. yeah. And there was no fire marshal or anyone like patrolling the neighborhood or warning the neighborhood. So we were yeah. like, and I was out here, you know, I had my buddy DJ call me like at four in the morning and my girlfriend, Abby and I woke up and we were at the time and we were like, what's going on? Like, this is scary that I'm getting a phone call at this time. Cause anytime you get a phone call like that, you think it's cause someone passed away or it's never good. It's never right, good. Yeah. yeah. And it was horrible. So like I told him, I was like, I hope my grandma's okay. And you know, uh, my, my sister really saved her that day. And then, um, you know, in the next couple of years and stuff, of course the pandemic happens, you know, I don't really get to see my family that much. And then I lost both my grandmas that year. 
So, you know, the one that I just talked about, and then also my abuelita, my, my father's mom. So um, in that whole time, the really thing that kept me motivated, that's kept me going is exhilarate, you know, and meeting people like Dejan and Kevin and everyone else that I worked with, even with Charles, I tell people like, I don't have anything bad to say about Charles, even though I wish we would have been able to still continue and work together. Cause I felt like we did, we did, and we still do have something special here, but um, everyone's got their own, you know, goals and objectives or what they want to do with their lives. And, you know, I just wish the best for everyone, but I'm really proud of what we've been able to accomplish. And I'm glad that, you know, in the times that I've been going through all these rough things that I've always had this to look forward to as like a safe cape or a safe gate for me. And then also to hear other people say how much they enjoy it. And that's all that matters to me is as long as that keeps happening, we're, we keep being productive and we do all these new things like performing different new places. Ideas. Yeah. It's like sky's the limit. So it's like, that's what keeps me motivated. And I think that's what made exhilarate special to begin with. Is there's that, no limitations. No, 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 I'm saying like there, there, there's no limits to it, you know, but I'm saying like, we, we have something special here with, with exhilarate and I'm really proud of like what we've been able to overcome as, as a group, but also individually too, with the things that we've had to like work through. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that music really is that what saves everyone at the end of the day because it's what you go to whenever you're down playing it in your car, channeling like your emotions and like yeah, your, what like, you're thinking into the songs and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then like people that I know that are musicians like him or stuff that you know don't even make music, but they still strum the guitar every night. They play by the fire because it's just so meditating and relaxing. It's it keeps you, I feel like you know, level minded when you're doing yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and like any more these days too. Like you were saying, like universal language and all that stuff. Like yeah. you have the entire history of recorded music, like in the palm of your hand, right. almost every second of every day. It's so a thing. It's like kind of hard to avoid it at that point. Like music is just everything. Yeah. Taking a brief second from the podcast to remind you that this is brought to you by Premier Studios. For information about the studio or how you can book with us, go to premierstudiosaz.com. And I mean, like technology has done so much for us because we're in this era. I feel like um, from thinking about from when I was born to like when I was a kid to now, I feel like I've witnessed every change a specific change of the generation that people talk about. So like witnessing 9-11, you know, when I, uh, yeah. when I talk to people that I work with that are younger than me and ask like, what was that like witnessing? I'm like, am I that old already? You know, cause I was just like, my sister was in the oven at the time, you know, not almost, you know, going to be not, born. Not li literally. Not in the She was cooking up in mom. Yeah. So then my mom was pregnant with my sister. And I think of, you know, back to that day a lot because it'll always be discussed from everyone because it was such a huge moment that changed the world you know it's like the last big like world changing event yeah yeah outside of the covid with the pandemic you know so i think I'm trying of, to think about that i know right <laughs> so i'm like saying I, I witnessed that you know i remember where i was and when michael jackson passed away and how everyone wherever you were at the store the post office the parking lot was talking about it so when you have these life-changing cultural moments where Everywhere when Bin Laden was killed. I was, was going to remember that because I think yeah. it was like during like Monday night football or something. Or no, it was the Sunday night baseball because it was the Mets and Phillies. Oh, because yeah, they were chanting like USA. Yeah, like I think Brian whole. Schneider, you remember the catcher? I think he was the one that was at bat. And then like he had to keep stepping out of the batter's box because he's kind of like wondering like, what are they all like, chanting the for? Going on? Yeah. And then finally the umpires like paused the game and then the Jumbo Chan had Obama and stuff announcing it. And I just think like. So wild. 
it was a, no, but it was like a huge moment for our country because that was exactly ten years after nine eleven, and I just felt True. like that was such a big moment for all the families that were affected on that day. You know, because I to this day like it bothered me so much because I remember when I was watching that, you know, in my parents' bedroom because I woke up hearing my mom pacing back and forth in the living room, wondering what the hell was going on. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? It's like six or something in the morning. Why is she up right now? Like everything's going on, and we went into the bedroom and my parents had it on the TV, and I thought they were watching like a movie because I mean, like think about it: Godzilla, King Kong, all these movies. There's always a part of a scene where New York's on fire, the money's like, on the fucking tower, like swatting down the air. Yeah, or people stuff. are running from a cloud of smoke. So I'm like, yeah. I've seen this like in everything I've watched on TV. It's nothing new. And then once the second plane hit. That, and I saw my mom gas. I was like, oh no, like this is really real. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not an accident. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, well, what's going to happen? Like my mom has just been on the phone all day with like my grandparents, with the neighbors. And then I went to school that day. And I remember like the way it was with the plaza or the corridor, you know, with all the classrooms, every single classroom door of every park. Cause it was the elementary, the middle school and the high school were all put together in that giant campus or whatever that it is. And like, the teachers were walking into each other's classrooms. Students were walking to each other's classrooms. It was just hectic. And I remember, um, you know, you, you feel frantic and you feel hopeless because you look to your parents or your teachers as the people to, for protection or to keep calm. And when you see them acting up or all scared, you're kind of like, well, all all order is just out the window. Yeah. It's like, damn, (laughs) we're screwed. And I walked home that day with my, um, this lady that was like a, a foster mom that sometimes watched me as a kid, the kids that she had came home with me and my mom was watching us. And I remember one of the girls asking my mom, she's like, did the empire state building get hit? And my mom's like, no, but like not yet. Because think about it too. It was, it wasn't just the twin towers. It was the Pentagon. It was the flight that crashed in Pennsylvania. That it was, was like going to the Capitol. It was going to the Capitol. Yeah, there were more planes. Yeah. So, and then the tower seven collapsed. So everyone was thinking like, what's next, you know, like, oh, yeah the golden gate bridge, the space needle, like all these things are about to get attacked. Anything, anywhere, like at any moment, basically. It was yeah. so, and I was, and I was starting to get scared. Cause I was like, well, what's going on? Like everything was so like sunshine and roses prior to that with life, you know? And, and people, what you're like eight or something. Like I that? was about to be seven. When yeah. I, I was like a couple of weeks away from being seven. So like, I, I was remember born that year. You were born. Yeah. So I was you born and my that sister year. were, I see. uh, my Pretty birthday's nine eleven. So yeah, really, that happened Jeez. on my fourth birthday. I don't remember it or really? anything, but um, you, it was funny. You, not funny. No, you brought up nine eleven. You brought up nine eleven. Talking about how you remember it and like that's my yeah. birthday, so it's kind of always there. And then yeah. Michael Jackson passing happened right. on my mom's birthday. Oh my! So like I remember that one too because it was just another. They weird... all fall on these significant days. Yeah. yeah, and like so then um, when that all ended though, or like you know in the next couple of days when it was kind of like okay, like there's no more planes hitting buildings or anything. I just remember what really brought the world together or what brought New York together today was the music and sports, you know, like with the Mets, when Mike Piazza hit that walk off home run, Oh yeah, like Shea stadium was going crazy. It was like, we needed that for the country and we needed everyone to know that we're going to be okay. And that to keep the families in mind and the first responders too, that really went through it. And to this day are still going through it with, you know, people dying from, you know, all the smoke and the cancers that they developed from that day. Even like New York right now is under like the air advisory oh, or with this air crazy quality, forest fires, I think. From Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And so like with here. all the smog and traffic in New York as it, as it is, it's just honestly like terrible. But um, I, I just remember all the artists and stuff that really like took, took the initiative to like play for 
audiences and do all the free shows and everything and how like and like the relief fund shows and all that yeah stuff. and yeah. seeing like how much like those type of moments really bring everyone together with music and how like when the pandemic happened i was like gosh like we were getting ready to perform and now like all things just go to shit and now what we're gonna do but seeing bands try to do the live streams and everything i wanted us to do that but see charles wasn't comfortable linking Setting up or meeting up, up. And doing all that yeah, yeah so that's why i'm kind of like we've had these unfortunate delays where it's like it's out of anyone's control individually like we all have to be there together with each other so when you meet someone that like you know understands that and really respects that and wants to do what you want to do like i have with these guys like it's it's very um it's very important to me and that's like the most the biggest important factor is communication mm -hmm. and i think that both musically and then just in general communication that kevin and i do it effectively and that dejan you know whenever whatever's going on with him and stuff that he's always like you know upfront about here this is what we can do um how do you want to go about this like working with you and making sure everything's still happening and all yeah that. yeah because i think like like i said those guys are very easy to work with like we've never had a time where it's kind of like come on like that sounds like shit or like we need to redo this or like come on that's not what i told you to do it's like never like that it's just kind of like a natural rhythm and a tempo and then okay we have it now what do we go from there we would, i we, love we, structuring songs structuring is very important <laughs> well i guess yeah. as like the guitar player and like drummer like that's kind of more your, yeah. your vibe anyways i i don't know uh who, who structured i think it was charles that structured structured uh camera no centerfold right well no so all four songs on on october skies he structured those yeah so that guitar most of the drums most of the bass was all him and then dejan did a couple things too on that yeah i was telling like nicholas when i heard it my favorite song was centerfold and i'm just like yo who wrote this like whoever structured it knew what they were doing and i noticed that and it's it's just something i personally like as well yeah uh, you can definitely tell someone that doesn't really know how to um structure songs i i have some high school friends or uh, had high school friends not that they died but like i just don't talk to them anymore <laughs> uh, but who sometimes like doesn't like like they struggle with that and i you know i try my best to like help structure and i think it's also really good you know i i think it's you learn best when you you know teach other people like the mm -hmm. best teacher is yourself yeah and over time you know i i feel like structuring is is a really important part and i just think it's it's a cool thing you like some songs i've written in the past too like you kind of fall into the trap of like this riff's dope and like this riff's dope and like i want to make a song so you're just doing like section by section like mm -hmm. first chorus first chorus and yeah, yeah, sometimes it just bridges. seems like so ingenuine trying to like smash all this stuff together if it just doesn't work oh yeah. dude there's too many times where like he even Charles was like doing songs where we're like, oh, we have to use this, and then found out it's been used, or like, I mean, that's gonna happen to every musician. It's like, you, <laughs> yeah. So like, we 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 had plenty of times where I'm like, this could literally be like a number one, and then we found out, oh, sounds too much like this song, sounds too much like that song. So that's another delay sometimes when it came to yeah. the recording process. Why October Skies kind of took a while. It's like we wanted to make sure it was the most original sound that was, you know clearly us that wasn't like any anything fabricated i do say though my biggest regret about that is the song take my soul is literally the my least favorite uh song we've ever done because not because of charles i mean the structure wise is fine but i was doing kind of like this um funky rapping type of style and like lyric wise i didn't think it was bad but i just think the way i flowed on it and stuff it was just really like 
lackadaisical and you know i've had friends of mine that say they like that song you know yeah let me pull up google real quick yeah you spell lackadaisical if it's even a word but no i i think that we um you know like we had some like differences charles and i when it came to like writing styles and stuff but like he understands music theory very well and i think that you know i i'm proud of everything he did on that project it's just me personally i knew that like i was really trying to find myself as a vocalist, like what, what works, but to which that's why I think set in stone really went back to kind of like the centerfold sound. Like it really kind of made sure that it was like, this is what the exhilarate sound is. So if I can point to everyone, what it was when they always ask, I'm kind of like, well, we're very diverse. We don't limit our sound, but if you kind of want to get an idea or a concept of like, what we're going to be doing. So if you ever expect anything anything close to whatever it's going to be like set in stone or centerfold because like we really enjoy doing that kind of up-tempo music um songs like cameraman like i said i can we could do like a shorter version of that and i'd be cool but i just feel like i had to do a lot of improvising with my writing to that song because to of how many transitions like the, the length and the sections and the, and that the different there. sections of it yeah how yeah. it goes from like super like uh, slow to fast to like me having to like change my voice and then having everyone point out being like See, I would have done it like this. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I me agree, too, completely dude, but... agree with you. But like, you you know, it's part of being in a band is you got to meet in the middle. It's not like, a, you know, it's not like a dictatorship. It's democracy. You know, we all make sure like with, you know, with the video, same thing too. Like I made sure we all watched it before, like, you know, we dropped it because I'm not going to just like put it out and then be like, well, like if you, you know, like it, you're not going to just shove it out. Yeah. You yeah. know, cause I've seen that with some bands, you know, from even when I was a kid growing up, like from local guys and stuff where it was clear, it was just one guy that was running the show yeah. and that he was like, you know, making all the moves, but you know, there's a reason why they didn't last because clearly the other guys at one point wanted to have their say. They wanted to have a voice in the whole operation. Yeah, yeah. like I remember Dave Grohl saying in an interview once about like mm-hmm. when he was writing with Nirvana or like how he took his step back and he knew his role at the time because he said it's like the drummer joke. Like, hey guys, I have an idea. And it's like, well, what's the drummer want to say? Up. Yeah, shut up and drum. <laughs> so, um, and of course, no to anyone listening right now, it's not going to happen to Kevin. We have n- never would say, oh, just shut up and play or anything like that. I don't know if you guys nah, come nah, in and record nah. again though. I might tell them to shut up and play. <laughs> Just being like, all right, get back to work. I, I've been teaching myself some double kicks with my with, with one foot. I'll just go. Oh, like the I'll heel toe go. stuff? Yeah, the like heel the, toe. Yeah. Funny that looks ridiculously hard. Funny enough, yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, I don't have a calf on my leg, my right leg. So it's like would you say your calf is in use if you're doing heel toe? I would imagine. Because if you feel it, if you're <laughs> like, like, like how I do it, you like physically don't have the muscle? Yeah. Um, muscle, dis- uh, what's it called? Dysfunction? You can be like the greatest. Handi- oh, dystrophy. Dystrophy. Yeah. dystrophy. There you yeah. go. Muscular, muscular dystrophy. You there could you be go. like the best handicapped drummer since like the Def Leppard drummer. Can't remember <laughs> his name. He had like one arm, right? Well, he got in a car accident or something. Yeah. And now he like has like a programmed thing. So wherever he hits it and stuff, it completes like you have both your arms. You'll Uh-oh. never catch me in a wheelchair though. <laughs> well, hey, I, I, I did it though. Like I, I still, you know, I, I persevered. I... I'm really comfortable with it. It's fun. It's a fun technique. You know? I mean, it's just life now, right? Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's just part of me now. Well, it's just another fun <laughs> fact about the band, you know, or something exactly. about him. Well, there you go. If you want to know about some heel tail techniques, <laughs> know that Kevin's <laughs> missing a calf. Just cut your hopefully calf off. Yeah. <laughs> Aptitude. Hell yeah. Hopefully it'll make uh, in some appearance uh, with Exhilarate. Mm. Well, because the thing is, so like with with the band currently, it's like there's 
three consistent members, us two with Dejan. We've had like a lot of, you know, rotations with the guitar playing. So we have like a buddy of mine, uh, Jason, who plays guitar, but same thing like Dejan, he's got a little one, so he's not always available. Prior commitments can't always do the, the yeah, whole Yeah, and then we thing. got another one who did the actual solid layers on Set in Stone, uh, Johnny, which mm-hmm. um, we might end up doing something with him live because, I mean, he's done some good recording stuff and he works a lot with Dejan. So those are the guys that we kind of like have had in rotation right now, but um, we're not limiting to it because I kind of think it's kind of cool to have a concept of having two live guitarists, you know, rhythm and lead. It just helps like build the image too, like yeah, the, uh, like sonically, you know, you have like a rhythm and like a lead, and like mm-hmm. that's kind of the just adds more standard. We talked about something like this, right? Yeah, because mm-hmm. like my writing style, I I like the dub guitars. I like you know, I mean, who doesn't, right? No, but. Yeah. I just really like the, you know, the melody of the lead guitar going and some rhythm with some like, you know, big, some fat chords big in there. chunky chords Chunky in the chords that you really can't really do. Um, I mean, it, yeah, you could really, you can kind of do it doing chunky chords while playing lead on one guitar. It's fun. But that just sounds like a hassle. It does. And <laughs> sometimes you just, and that's just like the technical part of it. And then, you know, it's some, it's another performing, you know, you want to jump around. Right. You don't want to like. No offense. I don't know how Will Swan from Dance Gavin Dance does it. We're not talking about Dance Gavin Dance no more. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but like he does have some like pretty good chords. Um, Those guys are insanely technical. Insanely it, technical. Crazy, yeah. yeah. And sometimes I, I just want to like jump around and have fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to limit my ability to jump around if I'm like playing these complicated chords. Hell so no. So I, I think that's where like two guitars could. Uh, but then, you know. You can always condense it to one. There's no problem with that. Or it's, it's like a thing more of like, vibrant, you know, like if you have like kind of like a band like Oasis where it's just like, you know, everyone's got their part to the sound, but it's kind of like that with the powerful vocals and everything. It just becomes like a real like rock show, you know, mm-hmm. like definitely summit. Oasis too. Like the vocal melody is like the mainstay of that band. Oh, like yeah. Melodies. Yeah. I mean, then you see like guys that just like have like, three or four guitars on stage or something like that. I mean, like Foo Fighters kind of do that kind of thing. Or like Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. Like they legitimately have three guitar players and a bass Jeez. player. It's like, so funny, dude, because it's just like thrashing like all together, just like I making that loud out sound. Yeah. But I mean, like I've seen like the different like types of sounding with those kind of concerts because I like the concept too of how seeing the difference in arenas to amphitheaters to stadiums or just even like um, regular like movie or regular like performing theaters and stuff mm-hmm. is like the sounds always different, but it's just kind of unique to see how the band adapts to it or how they kind of like incorporate their own, you know, ways of like improvising to like make their show the way they make it sound like how they do their backdrops or what they're going to do for visuals and everything. Cause you can do it differently. Just it depends on where you're at, you know? Yeah. And like when people are buying tickets to the show, like they want, the thing they've seen on YouTube and then like to show up. And if it's not like that, yeah, piss some people off. And- well, and that's why you got to kind of like elaborate as to like what you really want to give people mm-hmm. on your show. So it's like, if we're going to do an acoustic set, you know, it's not going to be all flashy lights and smoke and stuff. It's not just going to be a, around, not going yeah, crazy. The bar stool. A more intimate setting. Yeah. Well, I think that that'd be kind of cool to do that. Cause I want us to do that kind of concept. I've seen a lot of bands just do things where it'll be like, all right, this is going to be a more special intimate show of an acoustic and then we're going to be one where it's just going to be a loud ass big ass crowd of just like you know everything lights smoke fire action all that because i mean like some of these bands do that like kiss does that but then i've seen other people that are like very more 
cool, calm, and collective. Like, there's this band I saw at Bottle Rock. You ever heard of the band Camp? Like C-A-A-M-P yeah. or whatever. I've heard yeah. of them, yeah. So, like, I had a buddy that I worked with, Vince, that actually um, put me onto them. He um, saw them at the Valley Bar, and he said, he's like, I remember after the show just seeing them kind of, like, you know, step off stage and talking to the crowd and saying, these guys are going somewhere. Like, you could tell that they had good chemistry and that they actually had a sound to them. So fast forward to at Bottle Rock when I saw them perform, it was just so smooth. Like, I just thought that everything just flowed naturally. Their sound, they got a really good sound. The lead singer, I can't remember his name, but like his voice is very like, like he's got a significant sound to him, like a raspy, soulful sound. And they're from Ohio, but, um, you know, they, they incorporate like banjo and all, you know, and, and, yeah. and keys. Hell yeah. But like, it was like a really cool like crowd. Like everyone was just kind of like rocking with it. And then, you know, after them was the National, which I had never seen them before. And they were cool. And then the Chili Peppers went on after that. So it was kind of neat to see the different genres of rock too, or like bands, you know, oh, seeing yeah. how like their audiences differentiate. One's very smooth, cool, calm, collective. The other one's a little more upbeat and vibrant. And then when, you know, RHCP goes on, you know, the whole place goes nuts. They're you know walking I mean? out with like socks on their dicks and stuff. <laughs> no, like in the oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a bad idea. We, we might do that, Kevin. You know, We might do that. <laughs> Don't I can't speak for Dejan and see if he would be down for that, but you know, <laughs> I can't imagine wanting to have your like kids see a YouTube video of you just like naked on stage. Be badass, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely get a get a draw for sure. Well, I mean, I think that kind of like when we were talking about the TikTok thing, it's the shock value, you know. Like these days, like you know, well they say sex sells, shocks shock value sells, and you see these fighting videos that'll get like. Millions star. of views. Oh, world star. <laughs> well, because I, I have a, on my YouTube channel, you know, where everyone can check out all the Exhilarate content too. I have from back in the day at GCU, we, uh, there's this park fight video where it was this guy that we were hanging out with fought like this bum that was like bothering us. And just the commentary, you know, you see like the comments, people like saying like, they know exactly where that bench is or the memories they had there or saying, this isn't Phoenix. And I was like, well, dude, I shot the video. I know where I it's at. I recorded it here. So yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know if you want me to just tag the location or go to it or whatever. The keyboard warders. Yeah. Warriors. Oh yeah. The keyboard, tons of keyboard warriors, which I mean, that's another thing I learned how to like adapt to because when you're younger and you first get onto social media, not feeding into the bullshit of people like saying, Oh, like with the cameraman video, I think something that I got a kick of was some guy was like hating on it and he put on the TikTok comment. He's like, because I'm like in all black with my leather jacket and everything and boots. And the guy was like, oh, the Matrix called. They want their clothes back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but some of that stuff, like you just have to laugh. Like, yeah, that's know. all I could do. And they're trying to be like, a dick, man. but like it's kind of funny. So like just roll with it. <laughs> I know. No, I had no problem with it. I thought that, I thought, I'm telling myself like and really it's true. Like any publicity is good publicity because I didn't respond because there was a lot of other people hating them. They're like, oh, what the heck's this? Or like, this is crap. And I'm like, well, thanks for watching. Like, you thanks gave for me the interaction. Views. Yeah. Thanks for the interaction. Exactly. It's like when Eminem was like talking about it with like Carson Daly. Like, I think it was like when Slim Shady came out, the EP, and like how all these politicians or all these, you know, famous people are like all talking bad on him or saying what it like, him up. Yeah. No, he's just like, yeah. Hey, thanks for the ad. We didn't have to pay for it. So I'm kind of like thinking to myself, like when people are like, Oh, so what do you do when like people like hate on your craft or like they say all these negative things? I was like, it's all positive for me because it's not only going to either motivate me more, but it's also going to give my band more attention. And it's just like at these, at this point at stage, it's like, as long as it's not doing anything harmful to us or whatever, or like, you know, causing any problems, mm -hmm. You know, hate all you want. If anything, it's just gonna give us more clout, I guess. Sure. You know, 
And like in the grand scheme of things too, like you guys pretty much are like just getting started. So like right. any eyes on your stuff is is better than not. Right. And then, better than none. And then I think too, like, you know, like when I brought up Dave Grohl, he said it best. It's like, if you really want to get exposure, you just have to play live anywhere and everywhere. You're, if you just gain like one fan a day, think about it in a week span, seven days. So it's like, you know, seven times five and all that. You just add up, up, up. And then it's like, you go from like a hundred to 500 people to whatnot. And you're like, wow. It's the same like everything else. You just have to take it day by day because the people think to yourself like, well, if I only get two fans from doing one show, then I didn't accomplish anything. I'm like, what if that one fan knows like a hundred people that would love your music? They send it off in a group chat and then boom, oh, yeah. it just blows up, you know, because a lot of these bands and uh, artists and locally have benefited off of a specific outlet, whether it's like audio or visual. So like um, Spotify, Apple Music for us, or I guess for Exhilarate, it's been YouTube. Because all our videos have done really well, uh, gathering attention. Like cameraman yeah. blew up at one point. It just yeah, went skyrocket. I noticed like you guys, as opposed to like a lot of the other like bands I've worked with and talked to and stuff, is yeah. Like you guys have music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people like just aren't really doing that. Yeah. Or, like they'll spend all the time on the album and stuff, and like album's great, sounds really good, but like right. I feel like the music video is kind of the way to go because it has like the staying power. Mm-hmm. You can watch it again, see the people, like all that. that good stuff. I think it's really important to kind of like match the image with the sound because people can kind of get like a, a, a well, not just an image to it, but they can like relate to it. They can kind of understand now. It's kind of like you know when I read books and stuff, the books that had movies made to it, like the Harry Potter books. Whenever I would be like reading in the characters' voices, I would think of the, what I saw. So it's kind of like it makes it way more like engaging. Like Daniel Radcliffe's in your brain saying all the stuff. Speak and- like Harry, <laughs> Hermione. Yeah. So when uh, you do it like that, it's kind of like how what I'm alluding to is like you, you know, kind of like relate with it more when you connect to it in that way, or like you know, certain singers or musicians that have a distinct look to them or a distinct sound when you get to hear them like, you know, do that live and it's kind of like, oh, wow, like this is cool. Like I got to see something that they're known for, like with Gene Simmons and like the tongue, the tongue thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and like seeing Kiss put on their show or like when I saw Billy Idol, bro, like seeing like a real Jeez. like rock star, you know what I'm saying? And like their image and it's kind of like, it's really godlike, you know, like seeing how they own the stage and it's like, they're not they're not nervous or anything. They're embracing the moment, which is what I want to do is like, you got to like live in the moment and like bring everything to life because you can turn it into like a whole different experience for people. You know, I I really appreciate bands and artists that do that. So like with us, YouTube, you know, going back to that, it was like, um, we we put out centerfold and, you know, people were loving that. And I think that really, that is a good, it is a good song. I love that song a lot. And I wish we could make more songs. Like I said, in that centerfold too. Possibly. I mean, there's no reason that you can't also just like go back and like re-record, rework some of your other stuff. Like there's no rule that says you can't, you know? Too. Mm. And you know, like, um, I mean, like w- when we have like the videos, it was kind of like, that's something we can give you for now since we haven't done super, like a lot of shows or anything. So like you can kind of see this is us, this is our image. And then the only thing that's missing is like the physical appearance once we the, actually the perform. actual performance that. You yeah. Have. It, it kind of completes the whole 360 loop is like, we've got, you know, the recordings, we've got the, the photo shoots, we got the visuals, we've got like, you know, the fans that are like, you know, listening to it and everything. Now we just got to complete it with the actual shows and go into different multiple places. Oh, yeah. So you get, like I said, the exposure in different areas and just spread it like crazy after that. I should get into like the uh, like the house show circuit. 
Those are yeah, so much fun. I want to. There's yeah. so Wait, many house venues around. Just here. like the house parties or like when you know like the underground shows and everything. Mm. Like a lot of these bands, like I'm sure like the guys that like you know dogpile and all of them probably do those kind of like. They they too. literally own a, a house. There venue. you go. They <laughs> one, yeah. No, yeah, because I'd like to see them perform, you know, and uh, was it Hostile Fate that was just Hostile here? Hostile Fate, yeah. I'd love to see those guys perform. And, and, you know, I'm all about support, too. Like, I want to see these guys succeed. I want to see them go on because regardless of if we do just as good or better or anything, I think it's better just to see everyone eat and see that we're kind of all for the culture here. It's to make bands, you know, all stay popular, stay big, stay headlining at all these shows, you know, seeing that kind of continue for the future because we can really do that and make a movement. I think there's a really good, unique music scene in Phoenix. I just think that there are there are acts that are competitive against each other or that, you know... Naturally. Naturally, yeah. But for me, though, like I have no intention of trying to big up any other band or talk bad about any band or anything like that. And I mean, even if people do that to us, too, it's like I said, it's all at the end. It's just all love and exposure as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Um, but I want to see everyone thrive and like really get this movement going because I think that there is a lot of talent in Arizona and Phoenix and that there's really never been a significant act that, you know, became the face of the Valley, if you will, you know, all these other cities have bands or singers or rappers that really are the face of, you know, that culture or, or that city or that area, you know, I think what's the, the biggest band out of the Phoenix area, I think is uh, like Jimmy world. Mm-hmm. I think they're from Tempe. Yeah. And I think the main is from here as well. I actually worked with a buddy of mine, Nico, that he went to Sunny Slope with the lead singer of Jimmy Eat World's son. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he was like all saying like how, you know, they would play, it just takes some time, like all over and over and all the time. And I was like, how many times has that kid heard that song? Whether seeing oh, his yeah. dad perform it or having it play in the house all the time or like other kids. But hey, it's not a... It's not a bad thing or whatever, but that um, song probably bought that kid a house. So I mean, oh, like, true. And <laughs> I mean, and that's like a timeless record right there. So it's kind of like they could have just put that out, and you could still play that all the time. But I think it's unique though when people have said that, like with our band, we have the we have the potential and the ability to put out multiple multiple singles and songs because you know we don't limit ourselves, like I said before, but also we do have a very creative songwriting process and have a lot of good ideas that we've bounced off each other. So mm-hmm. like, you know, plenty of centerfolds, plenty of set in stones, but even new songs that might take it into a whole different direction. Oh, yeah. you know? Just keeping it fresh, keeping it going. Like- yeah, because like a lot of the bands that I love, they did that. They've been able to evolve through each decade where it's still their sound, but it's like I said, it's not retro. It's, it's a mix of the contemporary and everything that's maybe more relevant or what's new. To, exactly. to the music scene right yeah, you guys definitely seem to have like a good idea of like where you want to head I definitely think mm-hmm. you know, sure. just getting in the shows I would like link up with local bands kind of get that community thing going Yeah, mm-hmm. and I feel like it'd be really easy for you guys just to pop off so yeah and I mean like I've had a lot of people like message me and stuff like not even just out here like why I brought up like South America and other countries is there are people that are paying attention that aren't anywhere near here which is like the best like from sign. your YouTube Oh uh, yeah, from YouTube. So like when cameraman blew up and whatnot, we had a lot of people like uh, message me on like from Brazil and from like Paraguay and Argentina and all that that really said, "Hey, when are you gonna come out here? Or we love this music and like stuff." And I was like, "Well, that's the goal. Eventually, you know, it's just a matter of like it's all fund funding and budgeting because I feel like that's what every band's biggest 
you know, obstacle is, is like you really can only do as much as you can afford at some point <laughs> or what opportunities yeah. that you get because, I mean, there's some guys that are plugged. Like when we I was at the Bling show, I mean, there was guys that were giving Landon Barker a hard time saying that, you know, this is complete nepotism. And it's like, oh, of course you're going to blow up when you're on like one of the biggest selling sell out tours in the world right now with like one of the biggest bands and now but also like you got to respect it because he has his in you know i mean like, I, he, I enjoyed it like i said i had nothing bad to say about it i mean this guy was just like oh look at daddy's money and they're like oh i love auto <laughs> nice auto tune dude oh, yeah. and I, I mean i'm cracking up at this but i'm like supporting it because i think well at least he's out there doing something that he loves and that it was sounding good to me. Like I thought it was good in turnstile too. I was like, man, these guys deserve such a better crowd. You know, they should be so much bigger than they are. They, they were great. Like, and and, I've I, heard of them. and, you, and if you see them, Kevin, like the passion that these guys have, like they were really rocking out and like, you have to, I was told this by other guys that I've seen perform. Like you have to tune out the, the bullshit or at least saying, okay, I can be in front of a crowd of like a hundred to a thousand people. And they could all just be sitting there looking like a freaking dead zombie. I'm still going to give the same show as if these guys were all still rocking out or doing oh, the same yeah. as us, you know? I mean, if there's like one person out there, it's the best day of their life. Well, I think, I, and I saw, I saw the crowd slowly gravitate towards them. Like the more they, cause then when, um, like with Landon Barker, when he did a, a plus 44 cover, um, when your heart stops. Yeah. Probably. He performed that. Yeah. yeah. The whole crowd started really rocking with it. And see, that's why when we started the band or like when, when I was starting to exhilarate with Charles, all we were doing was just straight covers. Cause I said, when you're a new band, if even if you don't have your own music or if you have let alone one single, you got to perform songs that everyone else is going to know or love and rock with. Cause then you'll have their attention. Then they say, Oh, they play those songs. Dope. How do their own songs sound? You kind of yeah. give them a mix and balance of it with the set list of, you know, everything. Pop goes punk. Well, yeah. <laughs> just like have every type of song or whatever that people like. And then it's kind of like, Oh, cool. Like, they know how to do all these songs that I like and then their own genre is unique in itself that they have something going for them. They can do a mix of everything. They're not limited in that factor. Some bands and some artists are just kind of like hesitant to go out of their comfort zone, but it's kind of like, then how do you oh, yeah. adapt and evolve as an artist? You have to know that you don't limit yourself and that ideas are ideas for a reason. Anytime you have one, it's not necessarily a bad idea. Jot mm -hmm. it down. It'll find grow. the best way to implement said idea. Yeah, like and like and not think to that's any idea is a bad idea. Like you know, of course you guys are you know in general like bands are with us. We're gonna say some things that probably we're not gonna like. Eh, I don't think we'll put that in there. But then why not? Because it's kind of like no idea is a bad idea. Any idea can be a good idea. You okay. know, just gotta store it. So I pulled up the YouTube. Um, yeah, I, I thought I saw this earlier, but the cameraman video has like 300 some thousand views mm -hmm. is that like is that like a genuine 300 thousand views oh yeah no like it, it it blew up in like different countries like mexico so i was able to see like with like you know the youtube studio you can see thing. where people are like demographic type stuff and yeah all that. that like um you know it was it was it shows like the duration like month by month year by year whatever of like the average rates and stuff and what i was noticing was that south america it was just skyrocket um you know mexico too because like you know i my dad's family all comes from there and i know that my family members down there were playing it and showing it to other people and then you know they all go from city to city and ranch to ranch out there so it kind of like spreads oh, yeah. exponential yeah oh yeah definitely and then like um in the uk like um you know rock music still very alive and i think the rock crowds for sure when you think of like uh what is it like pink pop and um 
Reading, you know, those festivals. Oh, yeah. Just all the UK people that love rock music and stuff are all there, of course. And so I see, I think that, you know, when I got some messages from people from out there, you know, they'd be like, oh, great sounding song. Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you had to add the accent onto yourself because like, it was, like, was probably just an email. Right? right. I was like, well done. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. They'll, 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 they'll put in the emoji too, like the, the two uh, glasses, like clapping. Oh, the or cheers. The cheers. Yeah, yeah. So they'll be like, the cheers. Clink. You know, it's like, you lads got something going, you know. Well done. So, you know, and then, um, and then like, I just like hearing like, um, it's, it's hearing people say it in their accents one time. Like I had like, you know, we have at my job, like J ones, the foreign exchange workers and like mm-hmm. some of the, like, they could be from anywhere, like from Asia or like from the Latino countries and stuff. They'd be like, Oh, exhilarate, you know, exhilarate good music. Yes. <laughs> like, like, we love it. Or it's like, it's like, I love American music. It's such great. Exhilarate. Yes. So That's like, yeah, so, so hearing these guys or like girls or whatever, like say that it's kind of cool. And like, I think that that'd be kind of a good idea, you know, to, for a concert entrance, just have everyone saying it, saying the band name in different accents. Like a montage video montage, or something. Yeah. Like, Is it right? Is it right? like, like that. I think it'd be cool. But, be um, that, that, that's kind of like the thing that I got from it though, is like, you know, it, it added another, another kick to motivation was that, Hey, this video is like blowing up. It's not even like the best song that we it's can like put out. It's like the first thing you did, right? Like the first song that you guys wrote, I think you said was... No, no. So, so Centerfold was the first video. Oh, gotcha. So Centerfold, though, was actually like a really cool video, what we did, because it was me going all over downtown Phoenix. And then like we did some of it on my rooftop where I was living at the time. Um, but, you know, again... Stacks made it right. Yeah, Stacks directed that one and Cameraman. And then the budgeting thing, really, if I would have been able to like implement this idea is like I wanted to be like in a really classic car on the freeway with the, and picking up all the different members of the band. And then we head from like all the lanes to just one lane heading towards Flagstaff. Cruising out on like a yeah. smaller highway out in the sticks. A and lot of symbolism stuff. of us, like kind of like signifying our, you know, progression and going from like, you know, from nothing to on our way to our journey. I thought it was like a really cool concept. And just because of all, you know, timing, budgeting, location, all that, we weren't able to do that. We still came up with a cool video, I think. And like logistically, like, driving a car with a camera hanging out of it on well, the highway. Or just utilizing like a drone, you know, just like all trying to put that all together was going to be a hassle. So we didn't end up doing that, but like a lot of people liked the video and they liked the song. So that was kind of like the kickstart. And then we, after that, the next thing we did was the show. And then like the, after the show, I went to Mexico for a couple of weeks. And when I came back, we started filming cameraman. When we put it out, you know, of course, like the first reception or, you know, what all the people that saw it said was like, oh, it was pretty good. You know, like they liked the song. They thought the video was really unique because of how we did different areas and stuff too. Yeah. And that's the whole goal is you want to be able to like switch it up, you know, make it fresh. And, you know, by that summer time last year, just multiple people DMing me on both my personal page, on the auxiliary page saying, wow, this is cool. Like, I mean, you know, like, what do you guys, like, where do you guys perform at? Like, where are you located and everything? And it's like, that that's enough to say like you got it it's just a matter of once you're out there just gotta start doing it start, yeah start man. getting on that grind because once sure. once you have those people and then yeah they've actually physically seen you and performed and everything like that it's game over from there you know yeah. there's no going back everything everyone's just gonna keep talking about it and you know regardless of how relevant you are or whatever you're gonna have people in areas where you're not even located playing your music. That's yeah. like the best sign right there. And like sling some t-shirts or something, you know, we like, do have merchandise, you know, like I've had like the guy I mentioned earlier, Johnny from living dreams. He's going to start probably uh, hopefully in the, in the near future coming up with, you know, or having new stuff that we're coming up with. 
we've just been focusing more time more in the meantime on writing so that we have like some of course new content but get then some also, fresh material out and then just start hitting it real hard yeah and then what happened with the events setting up like tents or something and having people you know come support and whatever they want to like you know check out and have available there and um, you know, and, and wanna, we want to meet some people too that like, you know, want to know, of course, about us, but also want to like, you know, dig into the scene and try to say, hey, well, like maybe plug in with us and networking and saying we're, well, we have areas exactly. that we know that if you want to come see us out in Texas or in California, we know a perfect place for you guys to show up to, you oh, know, yeah. and then, each like, other. There's so many like uh, cool bands and like just genuinely cool people like in all yeah. these bands that like you guys shouldn't have an issue like finding someone and mm-hmm. getting in on some shows. And oh, like super in on that down scene. to earth. Like the guys we just met a little bit ago, they're like super cool guys. You Dude, know? Shout out Hostile Faith. They're yeah. so fucking cool. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing them. You know, now that they gave us the date for next month, um, I'll definitely be there. Check them out. Oh yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, I really want to see them, see us perform and just kind of like, you know, just seeing everyone making moves, making progress. Cause I think that this year significantly has been a real big uh, progress for us all because we really actually, I think for once, being more consistent, being more productive, and now seeing what's to come. That's just a matter making of making the damn thing happen. Yeah, because I mean, like it's it's really difficult to be patient and for sure with this because of all the obstacles and all the ups and downs we've gone through. But now seeing the brighter side of things and seeing the consistent feedback and everyone really kind of like gravitating towards us, it's just a matter of time that once we get out there and meet new people and go new places that it'll just get better from there. Oh yeah. No, I wish you guys the best luck with all that stuff. It no, appreciate sounds you. like Thank a great you. time. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Before we wrap stuff up today, is there anything you guys want to plug or any last comments you want to make? Um, I have solo stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be my name. K E V I N era E R A A. Um, I put out a little instrumental, very pretty amateur. Uh, but I do have one single where I do sing in it. Um, a lot of my friends love it. Cool. Um, yeah, I'll check it out too. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends love it. I know you do. <laughs> oh, no. I, it's great. My, num- my number one fan right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I, well, it's good that you guys are making music together then, right? <laughs> right. You know, and so we got, um, we're also, like I said, planning ahead to perform once I'm all done with my surgery and, um, you know, getting some new content recorded. You know, if anyone wants to check us out, Exhilarate Official on Instagram, um, on YouTube, they can look up Nicholas Mondragon and you'll see my channel with all our Exhilarate content on there. We got all our visuals and behind the scenes. Um, Any other future content will be uploaded on that, too. And, you know, we're just looking forward to getting out there. And, you know, anyone that wants to come check us out, just stay stay in tune, stay updated on our channel. And, you know, we'll keep everyone updated with any news and updates that we got. Hell yeah. Pretty exciting. No, yeah, exciting stuff. Sounds Definitely, pretty exciting, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming in, guys. Dude, thanks for fun talking to you, bro. I had a good time. It was pretty awesome, and hopefully, more people come in too and support this because I like what you're doing here, man. It's, oh yeah, feel free to neat. tell everybody. Like, I'm just trying to get the community going. You know, yeah. Um, I don't really know anyone else who's like interviewing bands around town, so and that's why I think just this trying is, to get that going. This is going to be kind of like a very um, what do you call it, like different it's a different thing but i think it's going to be unique because when you're like the first of one of a kind or doing something of this concept it's just going to bring in a lot more people and eventually you're you'll be the go-to you know for this podcast yeah because i mean a lot of people are getting into a podcast and interviewing and stuff but it's like like i said i feel like phoenix something that's so unique about it is that 
no one has really took over the scene for any of these type of things, whether shows, podcasts, concerts, um, you know, becoming the face of anything. I think that you could for sure do that with this podcast right here because this is really cool. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. My first podcast ever. I'm pretty young. (laughs) I'm well. I'm pretty young still, and I'll definitely be like, hey, Premier Studios. That was my first. Yeah. Yes, and Kevin is a strong-willed individual. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Shout out Premier Studios. Shout out Premier yeah, Studios. Shout out to Randy and <laughs> Premier <forget>. Studios. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thanks Thank for you. having Thank us, you. man. All right. That was our episode for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show on Instagram at the LSM underscore podcast. And you can find my personal Instagram at seekers.audio. If you're interested in being on the show, just shoot me a message on Instagram and we can work out a time for you to come in. I look forward to hearing from all of you and we'll see you next Friday with another interview. The local scene machine.